Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's good is Chris Stavs. I just want to thank y'all for the response to chapter one of Bloody But Unbowed. Um, as promised, I'll drop chapter two right here. Big, big, big thank you to everybody that tuned in and listened. I figured the information is more valuable in the hands of everyone rather than me just hoarding this information. So here it is. Don't forget, you can buy the book on iTunes, Audible, and Amazon. And if you want a hard copy of the book signed with a message in the back from me, you can go to bloodybuttonbell.bigcartel.com and you can get your own personalized signed copy from me. Again, I thank you. I'm most humble and I'm just privileged to be in this opportunity. So without no further ado, this is Chapter 2, Rookie Year, Bloody But Unbowed. Shout out to everybody that's tuned in to Traveling Anonymous. It's only entertainment. Please don't get me indicted. Let's get it. Chapter 2, Rookie Year. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Winston Churchill. College would formally introduce me to the next 10 years of my life. I felt as if I had not grown up past senior year. Sure, I'd get a degree, start companies, own a home, as well as multiple businesses. But mentally, I can't really say that I actually developed myself past the state of mind I was in when I lived on campus. College is where I fell in love with partying, drinking, sex, and irresponsibility. For most 18-year-olds, freshman year is the first taste of freedom. It's your time to live it up. Dorm parties, thirsty Thursdays, fraternities, sororities, game nights, and absolutely no parental supervision. Mistakes ran wild on campuses, like children in an amusement park for the first time. What is commonly known as rape culture today was a weekend in college. Partying, drinking, and barely remembering the night before was normal. Aside from its normalcy, it almost served as proof that you actually had a good time, and people were proud to share these stories. During my first week on a brand new campus, I remember being invited to someone's room party. 
Given that I didn't know anyone on campus, this was the perfect time for me to socialize and make some new friends. I've always been witty, with a gift to gab, that allowed me to control any room. College was the perfect environment for me because it gave me the opportunity to use this gift. With the exception of lawyers, doctors, and other special professions, we really don't go to college to learn much in a classroom. We go to college to interact, meet people, join clubs, and start movements. It occurred to me as more of a place of community as opposed to one where we would open textbooks and take exams. Let's play a drinking game. Uh, I know. Never have I ever, someone shouted from a corner in the room. As the music blasted loudly and everyone's second cup was just about empty. This was a game in which someone would make a statement that starts with never have I ever and ended it with something they've never done. If you are a person who has, in fact, done the thing someone claims to have never done, you would have to take a shot of whatever cheap vodka was circulating in the room. The game went on for about three rounds before everyone was too drunk to continue. By this time, getting to know each other became grinding on the person you thought was cute when you entered the room. A few people were off to the side kissing, and the girl who I thought was cute grabbed me by the hand and whispered, Let's go. We laughed as we stumbled around campus and eventually landed in her room where her roommate had yet to move in. The kissing and grabbing and touching began. It was almost as if I had been speaking with this girl for months and we were finally in each other's presence for the first time. It was actually the Devil's Springs and the Hawaiian Punch combination running its course. We undressed and had drunken sex before passing out on the small twin-sized bed that was on any other day extremely difficult to sleep on. I woke up in the middle of the night and crawled to my clothes, while tiptoeing past the snoring in the partially unpacked bags. Holding my head as I walked to my room, I asked myself, So, is this what the next four years of my life will look like? This question was based on the power that I felt as a result of sleeping with someone new. The sense of power was heightened because this time it was with someone I barely knew. Later the next day, I walked out of the cafeteria past a woman I'd been with the night before. I looked at her and she glanced at me. Both of us too ashamed and embarrassed to acknowledge each other. Or did we just not know each other well enough? Did we have anger or resentment toward one another? Had we enjoyed our experience? What was happening in that short moment of seeing each other? Did last night even happen? We never said a word to each other, and quite frankly, this was college. Sleeping with women always felt like a goal, something to accomplish because of its difficulty at the time. The younger I was, the more difficult it was to have sex. I didn't have my own place, nor did I have much money or the swag that appealed to most women. As I got older and developed what I lacked, I realized that my goal had become my ego, an obsession with power. Sleeping with women who didn't make me work for the prize 
made me feel powerful. I realized that hosting large events was a passion of mine, but ultimately my obsession with the power of guiding 10,000 people is what I love the most. When I was hosting, everyone watched and listened to my every word. If they had a bad week, I was the person who made them smile, even if it was only for a brief moment. If I said go left, they went. Turn right, they turned. If I instructed the crowd to scream at the top of their lungs, 10,000 people would scream. The irony of it all is that I was controlling people, not realizing that ultimately it was the control I had over people that was controlling me. My obsession motivated me, made me focus, and caused me to accomplish many things. It also manipulated me and took back everything that it had given me. Obsession is an extreme, and like any other extreme, if it's not controlled or handled, it can and will take over your life. So we meet again, but this time I spoke. My charm started a conversation and the game would slip me her number. I'd call and then hang up, for my confidence level had a ways to go. During the spring of 2010, I crossed the burning sands, becoming a member of the greatest fraternity in the world, Kappa Alpha Psi. Pledging was, at the time, the hardest thing I had ever done because it challenged my mental, spiritual, and physical limits. I'll never do this shit again, I'd say to myself over and over. The lessons learned over the course of that process were invaluable. But the process itself was, well, it was hell. People who have pledged would understand that it takes a certain mindset to endure the things that you voluntarily do during your process. I'm still not sure if it's something that your mind needs or something that it's missing in order to make it through. Resenting my frat brothers as most new initiates do when they're fresh offline. I couldn't wait to branch off and do my own thing. And when that time came, it is exactly what I did. The major takeaway from my time spent pledging was the mentality I left with. My process gave me the mind to win no matter what. I never once thought about quitting. That perseverance would serve as a catalyst for my success. Two months after crossing, I started my own public relations company. I was a sophomore in college, barely 20 years old. As a media communications major, I was allowed to leverage my business as my internship for credits toward my degree. Success came very quickly. My business partner and I would travel the East Coast visiting different universities, hosting and throwing events in colleges from step shows to stroll competitions and parties. On our team was a DJ who would allow me my first opportunity to actually pick up a microphone and orchestrate a crowd. Back in 2010, hosting was simply promoting an event and attending, which in many instances today is still the case. To MC is to curate an experience among the participants of the event. It is simply reading the entire room and keeping their spirits up. An MC is the focal point of an event, and most people back then didn't even know they needed one. 
the DJ had become someone who could play the music while talking on the microphone. But unless you were extremely talented, pulling this off was a challenge. As an MC, I could fully concentrate on the crowd and the energy in the event while the DJ handled the music. When it's done with precision, it is a party-goer's sanctuary. During an event my company hosted, I said to my DJ, Yo, bro, what's that thing you do with the mic? You think I could give it a shot? I knew this was the opportunity of a lifetime for me. I'd always attended events and parties and imagined myself up there. If he says yes, it would be like a dream come true. He paused. Yeah, you think you could do it? Here are my levels. You can go in and out as much as you please, but leave me some room to play the music too. What the hell was I thinking? I wasn't ready to speak to 600 people who just wanted to have a good time. Overwhelmed with fear, I made a joke on the mic, and everyone laughed. I did as my DJ instructed, not too much or too little, but just enough to keep the vibration going. Yo, Styles, you're actually kind of good at this, my business partner whispered. At that moment, I knew exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. What was actually happening was my reintroduction to power. As the master of ceremony, or MC, I felt myself becoming a master in the literal sense. Dominating a room gave me a more powerful identity. It made me feel as if I wasn't just the youngest child or the irresponsible one. It put me in full control of everything and everyone around me. The feeling of being overlooked and counted out was non-existent. I was now the most important person in the room, and the feeling gave me an instant rush. The National Institute of Mental Health reports that public speaking anxiety, or glossophobia, affects around 73% of the population. I am no exception to this statistic. However, I've always believed that you should follow your fears. For me, the need for adventure and the discovery of new things have always been imperative. It is no surprise that I picked up that microphone. The only way to become a better host was to actually do it. Hosting isn't like basketball, where you can work on your jump shot and relatively become a better shooter. No matter how much I'd practice in a mirror, going up in front of an audience always made my heart sink to my stomach. Shortly after my first time on the mic, I received an email request to host a fashion show. I did not accept that invitation, but I remember the voice in my head saying, follow your fears. There was an older gentleman who had been hosting for a few years before me. On the day of the fashion show, I asked him, how in the world am I supposed to do this? I'm terrified my voice crackling in fear of hitting that stage. He then offered me what could potentially be the best advice I would ever receive as a host. With conviction, he said, Styles, you can't care. Then he walked away. An audience feeds off of everything the host does. If I trip and run off the stage, they'll laugh at me. If I trip and say, 
Y'all need to fix these damn floors. They'll laugh with me. I am in full control, and I can't allow myself to be swayed by outside opinions or the whispers of the crowd. I have to be guided by my own heart and mind, and when I am, everything works out, just as it does in life. I dominated the college scene, hosting the biggest shows and the best parties. I was one of the most popular brands in Greek life, but the college scene had a glass ceiling. I never wanted to be the old guy on campus trying to relive his glory days. I needed a way out, an exodus, a way to transition my skills and talents into a viable income. I needed to enter the proverbial industry. It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And in a world of who's who, I would flourish. Being part of the cool crowd was equivalent to being allowed to sit at the lunchroom table in high school that only the popular kids could sit at, the table everyone glanced at while pretending they weren't watching. It was the table you whispered about in envy disguised as the things you were above. We never mentally leave high school. It is a microcosm of the world. In the college scene, I was a big fish in a small pond. However, I felt like if I tried my hand in the industry, I would surely see what I was made of. Let's just say the industry does not disappoint. Three years later, during the summer of 2014, I was 24 years old, and the company I had created three years prior had run its course. A frat brother of mine, at the time, was part of the industry that I desperately wanted to enter. After hosting a few of his birthday parties, I had proven myself with regard to my skills and talent as a host. I need to be in the rooms you're in and rub shoulders with those people, I said to him with conviction. Without even a blink of an eye, his response was, Meet me for brunch this Saturday. Everyone will be there. The brunches were like parties, full of bottomless mimosas, loud music, and mediocre food. They were the place to be, if you were known in the industry. The opportunity of a lifetime was here. The circle that could propel my career forward was within my reach. Unfortunately, Sometimes a man's reach exceeds his grasp. Having the opportunity before me opened the floodgates, allowing me to realize that there was a ton of work to be done and a myriad of challenges to overcome. I've always been the person you put in a room and prepare yourself to witness the magic happen. I needed no introductions, but by the time I left the room, you'd hear, who was that kid? I am someone who naturally blows people away, or at least I get them talking. Despite being the youngest in the new crowd, my hosting abilities were far from what one would expect a kid to have. To my advantage, I was already three years into my craft. My baby face was deceiving. I rocked that brunch. With this brand new energy I displayed on the mic and throughout that small cabin-like venue, it was as if these people were partying for the first time ever. This moment served as a critical milestone in my career. At the brunch event, it became clear that in this industry, I was someone who was worth having around. I brought something to the table that most people only wanted to take from. People watch as we continue to blossom, 
They envied our love, but it didn't matter. Being with you, the game, was all I ever cared about. I deserve you. I've done so much to find you, and now I must hold on to you forever. There was a small exclusive party my fraternity brother had thrown that the entire city raved about. It was the best event that seemingly nobody could get into, not even me. Hosting would be my ticket in, but not without difficulty. I was promised entry and even had a chance to emcee the glorified event. However, somehow my ticket was lost in transit. But this didn't discourage me. I kept trying. Each time I tried, I would be given the runaround. But lo and behold, on my third attempt, the light at the end of the tunnel had revealed itself to me. Not only did I find a way to get into the party, but I ended up on stage and the microphone was saying, Come here, Chris. Take me. After receiving the green light to host, I knew that grabbing the mic would be like taking candy from a baby. To my surprise, it wasn't a baby I was taking candy from. Instead, it was adults. These men had scratched and clawed their way into the industry, and they were just as hungry as I was for the right opportunity. Five more minutes, kid. I got you, one DJ said to me while working the crowd. After five minutes had passed, I was met with another promise that it would be my turn in five more minutes, and then another five. Eventually, I got the message. Today was not going to be my day. I stormed off that stage furious, cursing in disappointment. I learned a valuable lesson that day. Confirmation from the higher ups isn't always enough. You still have to earn the respect of your peers. There was another host who had been around since the inception of this illustrious event who was among the people I needed to earn respect from. Not only did my frat brother have to give me the okay to host, but I also needed to make sure that I wasn't perceived as a threat by this other host. Look, you're the king of the city. You are the best of the best. If someone of your stature would give me a chance, I know I would have a shot at this game. Humility is something that I've never had a problem with displaying but only if it meant I was going to propel myself forward in life. Who could deny a young, talented host that respects those who had come before him? The older host said, I'll give you the first two hours of the next show. Who am I to deny a young kid like yourself? Besides, I wish I had someone who had done the same for me. Oh my God. The first two hours of the show, I said to myself, as I tried to keep my composure and finish the conversation. The next show was a short two weeks away, and when I touched the stage that night, I left my soul out there. My young spark to that crowd was like a burst of new life that no one knew they needed. I was a tough act to follow. I would be the only host on that stage that night, and in my mind, I set the bar so high that it would be impossible to keep everyone engaged without a similar or better performance. Though I'd become friends with the older host, he was still my competition. 
You must crush your enemy completely. Robert Greene, 48 Laws of Power. My success didn't come from a lucky break. In fact, there's no such thing as luck. Success happens when preparation meets opportunity. What some consider luck is actually the manifestation of results after putting in the necessary time and effort. My old associates didn't share the vision or mindset that I had. When I shared my dream with them of hosting the biggest party in the world, they ignored me. Everyone seems to always talk about how to land that dream job or opportunity of a lifetime. We lay out plans and roadmaps for how to get there, but most people never really consider what to do once you reach that goal. I followed the keys to success, but I had no idea how to sustain that success once it was achieved. Getting to the place that you've long envisioned yourself at is only half of the work. The other half is staying there and maintaining that level of success. Being on top of the world in your desired field may be the most rewarding moment you could ever experience in life. But I had to remember that this is only a moment, not forever. Nothing lasts forever, good or bad. That is something my mother would always say. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Winston Churchill. The game is mine. I grew even more confident, and I actually became cocky as I knew I'd finally got her. She didn't stand a chance, and I was just getting started.